welcome to the Youth Development Professionals Guidebook. I'm your host, Michael Garcia. And I'm your co-host, Al Ferreira. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Thanks for joining us. I'm very excited to have Patrick Smith from North Star Reach. Patrick, thanks for joining us. It's great to be here, Michael. Thank you so much for the uh, invitation. Yeah, we're really excited to learn a lot about North Star Reach and what you're doing here. Why don't you give us a little intro about yourself and your program? Sure. Uh, so North Star Reach is a uh, resident camp program that serves children with serious health challenges. We do year-round programming. Uh, we're very fortunate in that uh, our facility is really new. We were able to uh, purpose-build uh, an old camp uh, that was around for you know 80 years that had fallen in disrepair. Uh, we were able to rebuild that to be universally accessible uh, and to really focus on what a program was meant to be. You know, most folks in camping, right? You show up and you got to deal with what you got, which is a little freeing to some extent. And the comedy that goes through my head is that every time I'm at camp and I'm like, who designed this place? Oh yeah, that's right. I was part of that group. So uh, we were able to build a brand new camp, which is great. We opened in uh, summer of 2016. We are part of uh, a greater organization uh, called Serious Fund Children's Network that was founded by philanthropist, actor, and general good camp guy, Paul Newman. You know, we built Hole in the Wall Game Camp uh, in Ashford, Connecticut uh, back in 1988, I believe is when they opened. And that's grown to be a global network of camps. Uh, we're very fortunate to be part of that group. And uh, one of the really, really cool things is that uh, uh, we get to benefit from like learning, not only throughout our country, but also throughout the world. So it's been great to be part of this organization. Patrick, as we move through this uh, very serious time, uh, what types of things are you guys currently doing that you uh, maybe weren't doing 30, 40 days ago? So it's interesting, I think, for most of us in camping, right? The thought of knowing exactly what to do and when to do it to get ready for summer. You know, there's, well, you got to get a schedule out and then you got to get your applications and then you got to start recruiting campers and recruiting staff and doing interviews. There's the, the standard process. And I think early on we started thinking this may not go the way that we're, uh, uh, we're anticipating it. And uh, it was probably mid-March that we pretty much had made the decision. I don't know that we made the uh, decision publicly, but it was somewhere around that time that we felt serving kids that are immunocompromised, relying on healthcare workers to support our program in the summer, supplies, et cetera, just probably wasn't gonna work out. And then universities started closing, so recruiting volunteers. We use tons of volunteers, which is probably our main source of staffing. So I think what has been interesting is, is that you know, for many of us, it's completely disrupted what we know. And we've completely gone into the, oh my gosh, we have to change everything we know and figure out what that's gonna look like. Are we gonna to continue to serve kids? How can we? You know, it's been interesting on the uh, ACA uh, listserv, there's been a conversation about is virtual camp camp? And there's been just lots of conversations. And I think for us, I still don't know that I know what that answer is. But what I think has been remarkable about the group of people that I work with 
is we took a step back and talked about, well, what is camp? And again, starting a new camp program, we started with, well, what is it we're trying to do? And we came up with something called our authentic camp experience. And part of that was like, how do we frame going into this and teaching and educating and, uh, and training? We're going to bring all these new, group, new people together. What are we trying to accomplish? And that has grown a little bit and evolved uh, thanks to this pandemic for us to really reflect on what camp is at its foundational levels. And uh, I have to give credit to someone on our communications team, a woman named Amy Walsh, that is great at listening and organizing information and she pulled some things together. So I think what that means for us is, is that in evaluating what virtual program or camp at home or camp from home, whatever, whatever anybody's calling it, what does that look and feel like? And one of the things that I think inspired me in this piece of conversation was all about connection. And if, uh, if any of my friends are listening to this, they've heard this story before, but in our family room, there is uh, several pictures, a little collage on the wall of our wedding. Uh, and I am still very connected to that day. I'm very connected to those people. Even though I don't spend a whole lot of time in proximity with them, even though I don't talk to them as regular as I probably should, but that day there's this, this strong connection. And you know, sometimes I'm in my house and I just look at it and I'm like, wow, I looked a lot younger then. But then I also look at the people and I'm like, I love those guys. And I think back to, you know, my brother was my best man and, and, and my relationship with him. But then, you know, I got a guy from high school, I got a guy, two guys from college, and all those memories that when you get back together with those people come flooding back, right? And it's because you tell the same stories every time you're with them. Your conversation could just be on repeat every time because you go, oh, do you remember that time, you know? And I think that that is what, for me, when I looked at what virtual camp was going to be, because it was going to be difficult to, to, to build, I think, community in the way we're used to doing at camp, what we need to do is rely on the community that existed and connect people back to that. And that's through language, that's through faces, that's through familiarity with experiences. And so I think we've spent a lot of time, and, and again, I'll credit Amy who said, go back to the camp experience and let's draw from what that taught us through this. So uh, we actually ran a virtual family camp this past weekend and have another one coming up. And what's so funny, I think one of the quotes was, we weren't at camp, but it felt like camp. And that was like the great, like I, you know, that's when I got that feeling, that magic feeling of awesome. That, that's what we were going for. That sounds great. Talk to us a little bit. What do you think you did to, to make that feeling happen at your virtual camp this summer? So with this family program, you know, we have a pretty standard uh, schedule, I guess. Uh, and it's really built intentionally to, to grow communities. So for our family camp programs, our goal is, you know, we're bringing families uh, generally of a similar uh, condition group or diagnosis. We're bringing those families together. And early on, um, what was interesting, and, and I've been doing family camps for a long time, but it wasn't until probably four or five years ago that this parent said, uh, you know, coming here and being around people that 
have experienced what I've experienced, I feel like I know them already. And that's common sense to us, right? Like we get that, we understand, but to hear a parent articulate that uh, really was powerful in saying, you know, they're all in the club. So I know they're not looking at me as a bad parent or like something that I did that caused my family to be in this situation. And she said that often that's the way the rest of the world looks at us. You know, walking down the aisle in the grocery store, people will start down the aisle and they'll look and see, you know, a family that maybe has a child that has a disability or in a wheelchair and they'll turn around and go down the other way. And there was just that sense of how does that make me feel as a parent and part of my family? And she goes, I come here and nobody thinks that way. And so, again, starting with that, we have this very intentional process that, uh, that, that's camp, but it's to build community. And I think that for us, connecting families back to those familiar experiences. And in some ways, you know, we didn't do the, the you know, we would be at family camp for 36 hours or something like that, I think is what our window is somewhere in that neighborhood. And uh, uh, you can't do 36 hours of programming, right? Like there's so much content out there right now. I think that's something we're all struggling with is how is it that we compete with and I know as a parent, I can't even keep up with all the, the things that I'm trying to do. And God bless my wife for, for, for actually trying. Um, but I think we tried to keep it familiar so that people, when they came into this, you know, foreign environment of being connected via Zoom or Facebook or whatever, whatever platform you're using, the feelings were familiar. So, you know, we did the introductions almost exactly the same and we were fortunate that it lent itself. So the example there is uh, uh, we created these Mad Libs uh, a, a year or so ago, like giant post-it side Mad Lib forms. And part of it was, is that families, as when they got there, they would fill those things out. And then uh, those could go up on the walls so that people could connect with who's, family was who. It was a great tool, right? It's like having a name tag at a conference. Hey, Michael, it's great to see you again, right? With the eyes shifting down. Um, uh, our, our families would do that. And so we just took that and sent them Mad Libs to fill out. And that's what they read as a way to introduce their family. And they're very intentional to explain some things about their families. So it felt familiar. People knew that. Now, you know, one of the challenges certainly uh, what do you do for new people that would get involved? But again, I think because everybody was doing this, they could fall right into that structure. We had an opening campfire on Saturday night, or I'm sorry, on Friday night. Saturday morning, we would do a, uh, a, a morning hike. So on Friday, I went and took my iPhone and I walked the path that we would take the hike and we just played that. And I sat online and talked with people. We got in this great conversation about... Uh, uh, national parks while watching <laughs> this virtual hike through our camp facility. We did some community building. Again, it lent itself well to playing some scavenger hunt kind of stuff. Uh, we still had a parent conversation. We sent kids off in the afternoon with a whole bunch of activities that were exactly what we would do at camp. And we did that through some pre-recorded programming. Saturday night, we had a campfire. We asked families to report back uh, with photos of all the stuff that they did to build out our slideshow, which is exactly what we would have done on Sunday and then did a closing. So I think that what informed all of this was the idea that we tried to make it as much like camp and relying on 
our families, because we've done a lot of work with them to create that community, that it was just the wedding picture, right? Like they were able to see and experience almost, and, and the funniest thing is, I think our families actually spent more time doing things as a family at home than they do at family camp because there's just so much going on. It was so cool to see our families doing the art project, doing the nature project, going out and hiking. Uh, I mean, they did, like they fully bought in. Now the challenge, I think, just to go to the other side, right, is not everybody did everything all the time, which was what they would have done at camp for the most part, because they were in the same place. So people dropped in and out, but I, I have to say, I was, I don't know if surprised is the right word, but it might be surprised of how well it went because I see technology sometimes and, and I think we all do in camp as a barrier. I love that you're looking at it from a different point of view. And I think that's what everybody needs to do right now. And it's not what we've always done. We may not always even ever get back to what we've always done. So what's the new way to look at it to still build those relationships and those engagements? So I think one interesting part about that is, so for us, because of the population that we work with, we're seeing these as opportunities for us to figure out how do we extend our program when kids are in the hospital or can't come to camp. So we're trying to figure out, can we build some of these out just to have as an additional resource down the road? That's an amazing tool that hopefully will be in your toolbox for ever, right? And and you'll, I'm sure, we'll hone it and build on it and develop it and it will be that much better when that child who's been coming to your program for two, three, four years is having a tough summer and can't. And now they can in some way, shape or form. And I'm picturing GoPros on other kids while they're at camp and, you know, doing an activity with a GoPro on a kid so their friend can play too. Absolutely. You know, and I think that that's going to be the interesting thing. If we can start getting our kids, and I have to tell you, somebody uh, sent me this the other day and I thought it was a really cool thing. Um, there's something out there called Draw My Life. And I don't know if it's this uh, uh, um, YouTube or something, but it's basically you take a whiteboard and they do the, the whiteboard animation. Well, one of our campers did it for their life. And it was like the coolest thing. You know, she told a story about, you know, getting diagnosed and being in the hospital. And then she transitioned into camp. And it was completely unprompted by us. And I thought, what an amazing, powerful way, again, to use this kind of a media where you can drop in. And yeah, it was just a YouTube video her mom posted of, you know, I don't know, uh, not a parody, but a... Uh, uh, a duplication of what somebody professional is doing and uh but it was done by a kid drawing and then you know she'd take her hand and erase uh the the, the little whiteboard and then draw again and i thought oh my gosh that's such a brilliant tool we can use at camp what a great way to build connectedness is have a whole bunch of kids have an assignment we'll draw your life and then be able to show that in this environment and then that's how kids can engage so I don't know, it's been interesting. I think there is this certain amount of excitement because we're exploring new things that we probably never thought would apply in a face-to-face -face camp world. So it's been, I think, kind of cool. You get to reinvent things. I'm just picturing in my head that YouTube video and, and how it's not set up 
to promote your program, but organically camp makes that huge of an impact on the people's lives, whether it's a child, whether it's a parent, whether it's a counselor and that how many college essays a year are written about their camp experience, how many of those impactful moments I say all the time, camp changed my life. It focused me on doing good and being better. And it's really important to me. And I think we hear that all around in these conversations that we have. One of the things that's been rolling around in my head over the last couple of weeks is a quote from Napoleon Hill. Uh, if you can't do great things, do small things in a great way. And uh, as you were describing that family, virtual family camp program, I'm thinking more and more that as camps, we need to do things, you know, do more small things in a, in a greater way. Um, it, it, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, how you see the next 30, 60 days rolling out for you guys uh, with, with summer? Yeah, I think for us, it might be a little different uh, in that we're completely committed to doing a uh, camp at home program. I know that there's many camps that are for profit that are going to rely on the income. Uh, even that are not-for-profit rely on the income that families uh, sometimes are paying as, as camp fees. So, you know, I think there's a lot of folks out there waiting and waiting and waiting till the last minute to make those decisions. Uh, and there's the guidance, right? Who knows what it's actually going to look like? There's questions of, well, if I normally have 100 kids, can I have 50? So in some ways, I think us making that decision when we did, it freed us from having to figure out what are we going to do, what are we going to do? So we're going to continue to take this experience and build out summer, knowing that it's not going to be exactly the same. And I think one of the things that you mentioned earlier, like you have to move your target a little bit. And that's something that I think we've been struggling with is you have this expectation of what camp is going to look like. And we've been talking a lot about, I think we have to move the target to, to say that if, if, if it can't be that, what can it be? And be okay with that. You know, there was a great article I saw a couple weeks ago about, you know, during this, this crisis, being an okay parent is okay. <laughs> and it was such a relief because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to be the super parent. And I feel like I need to be even more of a super parent right now, right? Like, well, we've got this school schedule and we now have to uh, uh, figure out how our kid can socialize. And we have an only child. So the poor kid doesn't have anybody else to play with. And you know, he rides his bike around the neighborhood and we're like, don't get off your bike. That way you're at least saying that you have to be a certain distance from other kids that are riding your bike, right? And so for me, going back and looking at what our summer is going to be, I think we're, we're moving the target to try and figure out again with that same philosophy. Uh, it's going to be building out appropriate content. It's going to be thinking about how we engage and interact between uh, creating some of that, that live familiarity. You know, there's always those people at camp that, that uh, you know, that host your campfires or that tell the stories or that just have this, this connection with kids globally differently than they do 
with a uh, with a cabin counselor, right? Like it's the big picture. It's the whether it's the camp director, or the program director, or whoever. And so for us, we want FaceTime with those people because we think that's comforting. We think that people will be able to go. There's Coach. There's Colleen. There's Jessica. There's whoever, and that's going to be familiar because I think in a time of unknowns, we want knowns. And if they can't be at camp, then we want to try and create the knowns for them. And I think that's going to provide, you know, it's, it's, it's why you watch your favorite TV shows. It's because you, you know what you're going to get. It's why you go back and listen to music. It's, it's comforting. And it's something in this complete crazy area of the, of the unknown that you can count on. And I think that's what we're trying to build out of is things our kids can count on. That was great, Patrick. Thank you so much. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. If you're interested in having your voice heard on this podcast, go to youthdevelopmentpro.com and send us an email. There's three things that you can do to support our podcast. Number one, just keep listening. Number two, share with your network and contacts and colleagues. And number three, leave us a positive rating or like or reference, whatever you do. Welcome back. We're here with Patrick Smith from uh, North Star Reach talking about his latest virtual family camp that they just completed. Uh, One of the things that uh, you talked about in the last segment was the different roles that different staff and volunteers play in camp. Uh, What are there things that some of those folks are, are doing that are pushing them outside their regular comfort zone that they're doing differently, uh, obviously, other than the virtual experience? Yeah, I think we're, uh, we're all in that place and trying to figure out, you know, because we're also a not-for-profit fundraising, you know, we anticipate that's going to change significantly this year as well. And so we're trying to reallocate some people into some different roles and we've kind of played with some different teams and uh, our program team now is less inclusive of me. I'm kind of just being a support role and our program director is really stepping up into kind of being more of a, uh, a leader around the whole process along with the communications folks, because that's an area that, you know, I don't know how zoom works. I've just figured it out in the last, month never thought about using it a whole lot before and so trying to tie program into communications uh, has been interesting and I think that there's been some learning of uh, of what it takes to actually make camp happen again it's different than in the summertime but understanding all of the the parts and pieces that go with that Uh, we've been uh, fortunate that uh, we've reached out to our volunteers and staff that we had hired again which is such a bummer because there's so many seasonal staff out there that we're counting on summer jobs at camp and now they have to figure out what's going on so even though we're not able to hire them uh, they're still contributing in different ways and running programs and creating content for us so we've got folks that are kind of working on developing what that looks like we've got people trying to figure out what's the technology Um, if we create like a set at camp for summer uh, what are the pieces of equipment we need? Because we're not video producers. We're not sound engineers. You know, there's so many things that we have to, to, to figure out along the way. And I think that, 
and, and still doing it within the camp environment, right? Like everybody's talking to you about, well, what's a new liability waiver look like? Yeah. What, uh, what kind of privacy and supervision uh, is required? How are we training new people uh, or even returning people on what that looks like? You know, our organization has a policy around not connecting with campers outside of camp. But now we're just going to bring people into the virtual world and it feels like we're totally breaking that rule, <laughs> even though it's in a controlled environment. But, you know, anybody that's thinking about liability going, oh, well, you know, we connected virtually here. We can probably do it there. So I think there's so many different things that we're all having to dig into right now. But it's been fun to see um, because we're not falling back into our old this is the flow, I do this, I do this, I do this, that it's kind of freed up people, I think, to think a little bit more outside the box. And uh, I've just been really impressed with our team uh, as they've thought through that. That program director that you, you described as stepping up, uh, do you think uh, they will continue to uh, fill in in the current capacity? Do you think they'll, they'll be doing the same type of thing maybe after summer? Is it a practice they'll continue? I think that's a great question. Uh, I'm not sure I know the answer to that right now. I think because we don't know what it's going to look like. And, you know, that's the, that's what I think the hard thing is there's no date that says, well, uh, you know, we've got fall family camps. Are we, I don't know, when are we going to know that we can actually do those? And when are we going to know that, well, we can do them, but we can only do them with 50 people. So I think it's hard to know. Regardless, I think these are important skills. And as a camp leader, and one of the things I'm very grateful for was camp leaders before me who helped me grow and develop, gave me opportunities. And I think sometimes those were intentional and sometimes they just happened to work out that way. But the more that, that those of us that are uh, maybe a little more senior in the camp world, the more that I think we can help young camp professionals grow and develop a broad skill set and expose them to uh, decision making or intentional thoughtful planning. Uh, I think that's just going to help them. Sometimes that means they leave your organization, right? Because there's so many, only so many jobs in, in any one camp organization. But I think that that's part of our uh, uh, our job is to help people grow and develop because we all know, well, in order for somebody to take my job, I either have to leave or move up. Right. And so that funnel just narrows. And, uh, uh, I think giving people those opportunities, hopefully they stay within your organization, but that's paying it forward in some respects. You know, that's how I got to where, uh, I am in my career. Sure, part of it was my perseverance and, and commitment, but a lot of it was thanks to people that I worked for. Um, you know, Brian Crater, Wally Wyrick, those are guys that have such a tremendous influence on who I am as a camp professional, but also who I am as a, a person. It was funny, you talked about, um, uh, you know, the quote of how camp is incredibly impactful. We have an old camp doc that said, next to my parents, camp is the most influential thing in my life. 
And I was like, wow, like, yeah, yeah. And differently, you know, this was someone that grew up going to uh, camp on the East Coast all summer. Uh, went to Belknap actually, and uh, and and you know, so again, that's X amount of your year at camp. That wasn't my story, but I think in the same way, camp is probably the next most important influence in my life, uh, developmentally, professionally, than my parents and my family. I'd wear that on a shirt in a heartbeat. You make them, fundraiser put me down for four. I got them. That's that. I got goosebumps from that. That was just, that's it. That's, we can end the show. We're not going to, but we can end it right now. That was great. So. Well, I should give uh, Dr. Skip Walton uh, is the man with the, uh, with the quote. So uh, there it is. don't want to misattribute it, but uh, that has stuck with me. He said it at a, at an event one time and, and yeah, same way. I was like, that's it. That is exactly it. Next to my parents, camp so, is the most influential thing in my life. Thanks, Dr. Skip, from me. Yeah, uh, uh, you mentioned a couple of my mentors there, and I'd be remiss if I don't mention uh, one of my current mentors, because um, uh, who says quite often, uh, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And, uh, and, and you talk about influence, and you talk about uh, you know, the impact that we have uh, of camp. Uh, I keep going back to, uh, you know, you, you talked earlier about how intentional you are being uh, within the, your community and how intentional it is to create that influence, that leadership that moves us all forward. Uh, so, so thank you for that. Um, where are you getting, you know, besides those, those uh, early mentors that you mentioned, uh, and Dr. Skip, uh, what's influencing you? How, where are you refilling your bucket today, Patrick? Wow. Um, great, great question. You know, I think for me, and uh, one of the things that, that has helped, um, you know, growing up uh, as a, uh, my first job in camping was as a ropes course facilitator. I got hired, you know, I did a whole bunch of volunteer work and eventually was very fortunate to get uh, uh, a job in camping running a ropes course. And over time, uh, and I'll even, I'll throw out there, you know, like I went to a training with Carl Ronke uh, way back in the day, right? And you've got all these great facilitators and people that teach, but at some point you're like, I don't have any more games. You know, you go to a conference and you're like, I'm going to go to a session. And they're like, uh, I just know it as a different name or, but I think, um, and in some ways like it's really easy too, right? Like in, in camp, there's very few new ideas. You know, it's just what we steal from other people or how we grow and, uh, and, and evolve those things. But, you know, I think where I'm gaining like these new resources is exactly like this, uh, 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 camper that shared draw my life. Like that was just a gift, right? That was being able to take something that you see uh, and reapply it in our environment. And whether that's in, uh, whether that's in, um, uh, in, in this virtual world or whether that's in uh, the, uh, the real camp world. So 
last year our theme was camp different and it came simply from apple right the whole like think different campaign that they did i don't know if you remember uh way back in the day there's the great great ad with uh, richard dreyfus's voice you know here's to the crazy ones uh if you haven't heard in a while, go back because it just gives you goosebumps, right? So like that was an example of hearing that at one point and I went, oh my gosh, that's what we do in camp. Here's to the crazy ones. You know, you can vilify, you can ignore, uh, you can uh, not believe whatever, but you know, where other people see crazy ones, we see genius because the people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones that that usually do and I totally butchered all of it but so thinking about that that became our theme it wasn't think different it was camp different because that's what we believe that uh, um, we're doing we're taking camp and we're applying it to a, a population of kids you know it's not that that special needs camping is is different than any other camping we just have to do some things differently maybe because of all the medications because of but I think our attitude was like, well, what makes North Star Reach special? And that's where, and, and we're taking some liberty saying that we camp different, but I think that empowers our volunteers and our staff. And what was super cool is we've got one of our awesome volunteers as a, as a video guy. And, uh, and, and I'll say that, yeah, we pretty much ripped off Richard Dreyfuss's voice <laughs> and paired it with a video of uh, a whole bunch of different camp staff and volunteers. And he did an amazing job of, of finding the right video to go with the right, uh, with, with the text or with the language going on. And uh, we showed that as an opening to our, uh, our summer training as just kind of a tone setter as a theme. And I got goosebumps and would get teary every single time I saw it because of how I think connected. So, you know, to me, it's in some ways you're trying to, how are we really refilling our cups? We're having to look outside and we're having to, to figure out what are those tools and resources that other people are creating and how do we take them and make them camp? Because there is a lot of brilliance out there, right? Like, I don't know who actually wrote that. Uh, you know, some folks will say it's Steve Jobs. Some will uh, uh, say it was the ad firm. But uh, man, it was right on and totally applies to what we do because we are crazy enough to think that we can change the world. Yeah, we call that permanently borrowing. Well, Patrick, I really appreciate you joining us today. I learned a lot. I loved having this conversation. Uh, why don't you... Tell us how people can reach out to North Star Reach and yourself and how we can help. Sure. Well, uh, again, we've got a great team. So uh, our website is always the best place. It's www.northstarreach, three words, all crammed together, dot org. So northstarreach.org. There's lots of great videos. You can see uh, our volunteer Tom's great work. He's just phenomenal. Uh, you can always reach me at Patrick, P-A-T-R-I-C-K, at northstarreach.org. And uh, I wish I was cool and had like Twitter and all those other things. I'm kind of a, an, an old school guy, so I uh, haven't quite forayed into that. I, I use my wife's uh, account to kind of check on what's going on in the real world out there in, the, in virtual land. But uh, I'm pretty much an email, uh, email kind of guy. Awesome. Thank you so much. And we'll be right back after this. 
Thanks to our friends at Expert Online Trading for supporting the Youth Development Professional Guidebook Podcast. Al, you used Expert Online Training at your summer camp. I did, actually. I used them for several seasons at the last camp that I was the executive director. When we were trying to decide the items that we would present during our staff orientation week, there were so many things that we left out. And when expert online training came along, it was like, oh, we can do this ahead of camp. And then people come in and they're already prepared. We even added on to our our support staff, our directing team components so that we'd all be on the same page prior to doing our support staff training as well. It just really made a huge difference. And expert online training has some great folks who present uh, the kind of people that you'd want to see at conferences or that you do make time to see at the different conferences throughout the year. So if you're interested in looking for the highest quality online training for your youth programs, go to expertonlinetraining.com and check them out. Thanks again for all their support. All right. Welcome back. That was a great conversation with Patrick Smith. Al, tell us what you learned today. Uh, you know, there's so much information that uh, Patrick shared and, uh, you know, his storytelling capacity is amazing. I, I have to go to P.T. Barnum as, as my quote of the day. No one ever made a difference by being like everyone else. And Patrick is certainly not like uh, everyone else. And, and, uh, and he talked about it over and over about doing things differently. Uh, even his camp theme last summer was about camp different. You know, it wasn't a question; it was a statement. Uh, so, I, you know, that that that's what I take away from him is uh, just the influence of being different in an industry that's oftentimes quite the same. Yeah, I think the couple of things I got. One of them, on a fun note, I love the poster size Mad Libs. I think that was awesome and something I'm going to look into. Uh, for groups. I think that would be a great weekly group activity or a seasonal uh, cabin activity. I think the quote from Dr. Skip was great. You know, next to my parents, camp is the biggest influence of my life. And I'm going to leave it on that because I know it's the biggest influence on my life next to my parents. And I'm going to add my wife and son into that as well. So thanks everybody for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's show. We know we loved having Patrick on. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye.